You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. Tom Stanley in for Nick on Tuesday the 25th of October. Nick on his way to Australia currently. I don't even think he's landed yet, uh, but I'm in the hot seat for the next couple of days. Today, lots of news to get through. Real bloodstock feel to the, the show today. Broadcaster and, and journalist Jane Mangan joins me. Uh, we, we start with the, the news. A couple of big bits of news coming out of uh, Cornwall in the last 24 hours. And sad news initially that the great rock of Gibraltar, who had a stunning race career, a good stallion career as well, is sadly no longer with us, having passed away. He was, uh, at the time, a, a record-breaking horse, won seven Group 1s in a row. That surpassed Mill Reef's long-standing record at the time. And Jane, his passing was announced yesterday. Yeah, he was a true champion. We all remember him in the famous Sir Alex Ferguson red Silks with the with the white stars, that of course was a tale all of its own, but he was the horse of the year in 2002, champion three-year-old, and as you mentioned, seven group one wins in a row. Hard to believe he went off what appeared to be second string in the Newmarket Guineas after that grand criterium and Dewhurst wins as a juvenile. A lot of people on Twitter reminiscing by posting that grand criterium video. If you haven't seen it, that injection of pace that he showed is... Not unparalleled, but it's pretty rare. It uh, it really was something to behold. Then as a three-year-old, he won both Guineas and the St. James's Palace, the Sussex Stakes, and of course the Prix de Moulin, only to be foiled by Dome Driver in America. But he he was a champion. He was bred by uh, the late Joe Crowley with uh, his daughter Anne-Marie and son-in-law Aidan O'Brien. Uh, he was a well-bred son of Dane Hill. And uh, he's been... He's been the broodmare sire of some very good horses like Poetic Flair and Cameco. He's been the sire of Mount Nelson and Society Rock. So he leaves a legacy. He's had seven Group 1 winners as a sire. And uh, he was a real toughest teak champion. As a bloodstock feels very much the, the feature of, of today's show, um, where does he fit in for you as a, a, a sort of stallion for the ages in comparison to his racing career? Uh, ultimately, for me, he was disappointing because he had the pedigree, because he was so good and so fast. And, you know, Champion Myler seems to be the happy medium. You know, you can get the speed that you want and, and you have that little bit of stamina that you might want to blend with other mares. So um, if I was honest, I think everybody was expecting great things. And uh, he certainly wasn't the stallion that I thought his racehorse or his racing career set him out to be. Well, the man that rode Rocker Gibraltar for all bar, bar one of his starts was uh, Mick Canan, who, who joins me now. Um, Mick, really sad news. I, I'm sure you have incredibly fond memories of, of this horse now. Just, just, just tell us about what kind of a ride he was. He was push That's that's incredible to hear, given the 
the, the talent of horses you had. And, and one thing he, he seemed to have the ability to do, Mick, was, was show that explosive turn of foot on, on any sort of ground, which seems a, a rarity, even for some champions. Yeah, absolutely. But he was so, he was so, he, was, he just fell asleep. You, you could ride him without rain. He was that, uh, that smart. And he, he would reserve it for when you had him. And he was, he was explosive. He was explosive under the yard. And it, uh, the, uh, I've never had a written final like And And what was he like in those really early days? You know, the, 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 yeah, his first start, he he won over five furlongs on on soft ground. Could could you tell at that point that yeah. you were dealing with a potential superstar? Sorry, I had like just from day one, he was just everything was easy, but uh, no matter what, like he, no matter what, put his way, he was he just took it a little while to learn that he looked to be held up. We um, mm. made a mistake in making run over into the champagne or Doncaster. I said this was the one being fun. He, um, I'm just looking back at his railway win where he beat Hawk Wing, who you had a, you know, another fabulous relationship with. That was a that was a, a decent race on its day, wasn't it? Oh, Could you pick out, Mick, a, a best performance of, of, of his, do you think, of, of particularly those seven top-level wins? Oh, dear. Should have summoned him. The subtext, um, like, Grand Criterion, the shooter, wasn't it? He was just yeah. it was unbelievably, you know, like, he was spectacular, you know. You won the Irish, you won the Irish, he needs to become a captain, you know. Mm. Mick, appreciate your time. Thanks ever so much. You're welcome. Now, I mentioned that he uh, didn't sadly go on to success at the, the Breeders' Cup, and Coomer also announced yesterday um, that one of their horses, Blackbeard, isn't going to take in the engagement in the juvenile sprint because he has been retired after a, an accident on the gallops. Um, he will have a, a stud career, so that's great news. Sad we're not going to see him at the back end of this season in America, though, Jane. Yeah, a lot of people I can see on social again commenting that they're sad that they're not going to see his pre-race antics again, never mind the fact uh, that we won't see his brilliance on the track. He he was highly tried as a juvenile. He ran every month from April onwards. He began on April 8th and he had eight runs in his two-year-old career. So they really tried him hard, raced him hard, and he actually improved with every run. Uh, his last two wins, of course, the middle park and the pre-morning, um, a lot of people thought, oh, maybe the pre-morning wasn't that deep a race. They maybe underestimated him going into Newmarket only for him to blow his rivals away again. So uh, the pre-Robert Papin was also an impressive performance from him. And it's not unprecedented that horses retire as two-year-olds and they go on to be successful. We've seen that with Dark Angel and more recently Memas. Obviously, it's disappointing we won't see him at the Breeders' Cup after picking up that knee injury, but... I'd imagine he'll be popular when he goes to stud, given how the Nona Never season has gone and indeed how the Scat Daddy line continues to flourish. Mm, hasn't Nona Never had, had some season? Seen a few comments saying, well, the Breeders' Cup would have been his last start anyway. Is that is that founded in any truth that, that was out there, Jane, or is that mere speculation? It obviously is mere, mere speculation when you haven't heard it from uh, the owners themselves. So you can 
you know, everybody can comment and have their own opinion as much as they wish, but I honestly don't know if that's true. And unless somebody from Team Coolmore actually confirmed that, then it's just mere hearsay. Mm. And what I think is definitely worth pointing out is the, the Breeders' Cup would have been his, his ninth start. I mean, not only did he, as you say, improve with racing, he had um, two top-level wins to, to finish up his career, but he was on the go from the 8th of April to the 24th of September. And um, as you say, we, we, we got to see his idiosyncrasies before the, the start of each race. But he, yeah, highly tried, as you say, Aiden was not afraid to race this horse, as is often the case. Yeah, that's, that's often the case, but not many two-year-olds can sustain their form never mind enhance their form with every run. So I think that's a, a certain degree of resilience. Um, he obviously was very precocious. I remember seeing him in the paddock at the Curra. He He's a tank uh, and he was always very mature physically. So uh, no surprise that he was able to flourish early, but to sustain it. And, you know, you often, there's an age old saying, oh, if you're a precocious two-year-old, you know, the later types who start in maybe mid-summer August might improve past you in the autumn. That absolutely wasn't the case here. He showed always showed an, an awful lot of pace. And as I say, I'm actually disappointed we're not going to see him in America because given his breeding, that might have been the place where we saw him flourish even more. Well, as I'm sure you know, Nick is uh, now, I'm pretty sure, landed in in Melbourne. And um, he's there for the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Um this weekend, this Saturday before the Tuesday, it is the Victoria Derby. That is the, the feature race over 2,500 metres. And this year, we have a, a horse looking to do the almost unheralded double. Uh, that is having one at, at Ramwick, the champion stakes, sharp and smart, now looking to back up just seven days later. And that's the third uh, race he'll have had on a, a pretty quick uh, backup off the back of a run in early October. So he's been on the go a bit. His trainer is uh, heads up Team Rogerson. That's that's Graham Rogerson who joins me now. Graham, you're you're now Melbourne, are you off off the back of a trip from Sydney? Yeah, I was lucky. I flew down for the team out for the year. That's the trip. He arrived this morning, half past three. Travelled all night, but he's a, a very laid back horse. He's straight into his breakfast. When he arrived here and uh, he's drank plenty of water, he's, had a, he's very, very fit. And, uh, I think if any horse can do it, he'll do it. And it's a real big ask. Well, ju- just give us an idea for for you know any any listeners outside Australia. What 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 we are you are asking of this horse and and how difficult it is. Obviously, you're. You're based in New Zealand. You've got a horse that's now been in in Australia for for three plus weeks and is looking to to back up yet again just seven days after that monster performance at Ramwick. Well, he ran in the uh, the gloaming was meant to be on. It was two weeks ago and it was put on on the Wednesday, and he won that in the in the closest conditions, and then he backed up. 10 days later and won the champion state and then 36 hours later he had a 10 hour float trip and then we're asking him to back up again this Saturday and it it wouldn't be done very often I I haven't had a horse but he'd do it but he's a very tough horse and uh, he's got a great will to win and he's uh, He's got a great constitution. He's so quiet, and that's why we put the visor blinkers on him in the uh, spring champion in Sydney, and it's just to make him switch on a little bit. And 
course, Huey Bowman, he wrote him, but he had a commitment in the $10 million race at Sydney this Saturday. So James McDonald's on him, and James is rated one of the world's best jockeys. And, uh, he, he <laughs> real close to us. He rode his first Group 1 winner for us here in 2011 in the Queensland Oaks. So it's a small world. Yeah, he'd be a pretty able deputy, wouldn't he? And and Hugh Bowman, I mean, so he, that was Cox Plate Day, wasn't it, that he came to Sydney and, and rode for you? So, I mean, obviously huge prize money on, on offer that he won there. Yeah, he's ridden a lot of big race winners for us, Hugh, because we were here for, I run a stable in Sydney for 16 years, as well as New Zealand, we run a lot of heaps of races, you know, big races, he's ridden a lot for us, and so, so is James, but uh, it'd be a great achievement if he does it. I see the Victorian people think he, but I think he'll be about two dollars eighty. So you know, I hope they're good judges. But it is a it's a mammoth ask, and uh, I'm very pleased that the sun's out here in uh, Melbourne today. It was, and I don't know if he goes real good in the wet, but he keeps winning in the wet. It doesn't matter if it's wet or he seems to uh, uh, handle any ground. You can ride him anywhere, and he's a very relaxed horse. Distance, Graham. How do you how do you feel about going over further? Well, it's twenty five hundred meters, and uh, yeah, it is a bit early, you know, in the season for three year olds. But he can relax, and uh, he just sits quiet on him, and he'll he'll come into the race himself. I think he's improving all the time as a racehorse. And I think you'll see him uh, next year, hopefully, at Caulfield Melbourne Cupboards, you know. He's an ideal type. Uh, uh, he reminds me a lot of what a nuisance we had. He won a Melbourne Cup and uh, uh, he's a dead spit ahead. Do you know what, what, what sort of from a British point of view, looking on what's got me sort of, you know, salivating, it's that prize money. In talking in pounds, just for our UK listeners, that's £625,000 he's he's picked up last time for that win. I mean, this horse in in three starts, were he he to be successful, I mean, that's a a small fortune he could be, he could be winning for you guys. It's over £5 million Australian dollars. Huge. Wouldn't we? I, I can't believe the prize money. And then he's going home. He'll come back. He'll run in the uh, in the uh, AJC Derby. It's over two million. And then he, if he runs in New Zealand in February, which we're counting on, our richest weight parade race, we're going to run him in that. And then the New Zealand Derby, and then come back to Sydney for the AJC Derby. And, finish off his season in Queensland for the Queensland Derby. So he possibly could win five derbies and he could be up over two Well, the, be- the belief you got in the horse is obvious. Um, first things first, we wish you all the best this weekend. Thanks for your time, Graham. Okay, any time, Tom. Well, continuing the racing in Australia theme, Jane, we know from yesterday at the Tattersall's Horses in Training Sales, the top two lots are going to race in Australia, and that's actually part of a, a wider theme that you wanted to point out about the, the, the top three, I think, or top four lots at the sale. 
Yeah, so it's not it's not unusual and it's actually becoming quite common that the horses in training and particularly the staying types are going uh, to other racing jurisdictions. We have often mentioned the talent drain, but yesterday was just um, a further emphasis on that. Waterville, Irish Cesar, which winner, disappointing in the long distance cup on Ascot British Champions Day last time. He went for 410,000 guineas. He topped the sale going to... Uh, Chris Waller signed for by Guy Mulcaster, chairman. Um, Harry and Martin needs Alman Zorkol going to Kieran Maher and David Eustace for 400,000 guineas. So they're giving a lot of money for these horses. Uh, Bell Street Birdie from Michael Bell uh, is going to race in California. She uh, went for 260,000 uh, guineas. And beautiful Ashling, the Havana Goldfilly, going to uh, Saudi Arabia for 240 grand and then if you go down to the fifth top lot you're going down to Rare Middleton the son of the claim who's going to the National Hunt Sphere with Paul Nichols and Tom Malone signing for that gilding so the horse and training sale it's not unusual we, we, we've, we've commented on it many times before the prize money for these types of horses overseas it just trumps us every time uh, we know we need to do something we've talked about it so many times and nothing seems to be happening but no harm to re-emphasize it all the time so that was day one of the Tavistock horse and training sale today there's some familiar names going through uh, the ring as well high definition purling past the Chesham second um ever given from Hugo Palmer's Glanton Astro King I'm a gambler and Patrick Sarsfield they're all going through the ring today and considering um, Anthony and Sam Friedman signed yesterday a friend of the podcast Annabel Neesham signed for horses yesterday don't be surprised if you're having the same conversation tomorrow. Hmm. How popular is high definition going to be, do you think? Finding finding, uh, finding hard horse to gauge. I can, I can imagine Southern Hemisphere connections. He, he might pique some interest there. Yeah, he's been a bit of an enigma code all his career. When he won the Beresford, he was favoured for the Derby and we were all expecting better things than what actually happened. Uh, I always saw him as a stayer, uh, but he was raced basically as a 10 furlong horse. Um, he's very, very big. He's supplemented uh, for the sale, so I'm not sure it was an actual plan. So I don't know. Um, uh, I, <laughs> a bit like Rocket Gibraltar stud career, I was expecting better things. <laughs> Uh, also going to race in Australia is Frankie Dettori. We know Chris Waller uh, tweeted out today that he is going to be riding well, well for Chris Waller Racing in the $10 million Golden Eagle. I quite like that Chris added, if you would like to book the services of Frankie for either the Golden Eagle Day or, or um, the big dance meeting on Tuesday, the 1st of November at Randwick, please contact so-and-so. Good sort of doing a bit of agent work for, for Frankie. Um, so good luck to Frankie down under. We know about uh, Frankie's career riding Stradivarius and Stradivarius. There was a, a lovely video released yesterday by the National Stud about him arriving at the National Stud. He'll stand for, for 10 grand there. We've got Toccata Tasso standing in Germany for 20 grand. Also a couple of mares to mention uh, in the form of Princess Zoe, first of all. Um, is she is she possibly, search for a song is the other one, is Princess Zoe uh, potentially going to go elsewhere, Jane? Uh, well, I was just reading uh, about the two wonderful mares today. I mean, like everybody is a huge fan of those two mares because Princess Zoe was a rags to riches story, came from Germany as what was deemed to be a, a hurdling career. Then she came off the box and Tony saw her and thought, oh, geez, we mightn't be able to to go to plan A. They went to plan B and she 
progressed from a mark of 83 or 4 up to what she became a Group 1 winner. And uh, I think the Kyo family and the Crampton families have had a wonderful like fairy tale ride with her. But uh, I, I, I might understand from reading reports today that she may well be on the market, whether it be a public or private sale, I'm not sure. Uh, in contrast, Search for a Song, everything was expected of Search for a Song because, of course, she was a Galileo out of polished gem, one of the best broodmares of our time. So she'll retire to uh, Moigler Stud, a dual classic winner, and I'm sure she'll get the best matings possible to hopefully carry on the, the polished gem legacy. So there are two tough staying mares who lasted many years. We all got to follow their careers and... Um, you know, a lot of people, and myself included, we get carried away with following stallions because there's more publicity around them and we know more information about them. But when mares retire, they often go into the the darkness, shall we say. We mightn't hear from them for a couple of years. So hopefully in the future, we'll be talking about the progeny of not only Stradivarius and Tocorto Tasso, but the, the lineage of Princess Zoe and Search for a Song. And, and what's your view on... on where Stradivarius is going to to rate as a a sire for which code do you think are we are we sort of underthinking it that um you know he, he'll be only a national hunt study I know I know connections don't want that of course how do you see it panning out I see it as any stallion will get um will any stallion who gets an opportunity to shine has a chance in whatever discipline the mares are so if you say Stradivarius he's a stamina horse he's a 10 time winner sorry he's a 20 time winner and he excelled in the Ascot Gold Cup and staying type races everybody just assumes um National Hunt but of course he had this burst of speed a burst of acceleration he had real class so if he were to get proper quality flat mares I would have absolutely I absolutely give him a chance on the flat but that's that's the crux of it you could have the best flat stallion standing and if he doesn't get uh, mares to let him show his his quality then you're at nothing you can't possibly win so uh he's going to the national stud he's standing for 10 grand so let's see if he gets mares Bjorn Nielsen is very much behind him has been um publicizing him all this season uh, if anybody, I, I'd imagine he might attract really good owner breeders because people will say, is he commercial? Well, owner breeders value toughness. They value, obviously, ability. And uh, they're not worried about the commercial value. So uh, Stradivarius has a chance if the mares he gets allows him to shine. Well, continuing the bloodstock theme of the show today, it is Tuesday in time for our regular Weatherby's segment. And this centres around a horse called Midnight's Legacy. It's part of a, a fabulous story. Midnight's Legacy is going to stand at Dan and Grace Skelton's Orn Park stud. He was bred by David and Kathleen Holmes at their Pitchell Farm. That is where they stood Midnight Legacy's sire, Midnight Legend. And uh, Kathleen joins me now. I should say that Midnight's Legacy is going to feature in the next edition of the Weatherby's Stallion book and online at nhstallions.co.uk. Now, entries and renewals for these are closing in the coming weeks. So if you want to get your entry or your stallion renewal in, please do so soon. As I say, Midnight's Legacy will be one of the new National Hunt Stallions in the Weatherby's Stallion book and at nhstallions.co.uk. Uh, Kathleen, I, I, 
I like the fact that this has been been called a, a bold plan, also referred to as a, a harebrained idea to, to stand Midnight's legacy. So tell us a little bit more. Well, it maybe did sound a bit of a harebrained idea when uh, when he was trotting around as a foal with his foster mother. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he's, um, he, he's begun to prove to us since he's gone racing that, you know, it's not just quite as silly as it looked. Um, we... Um, we would have liked to have got a bit of black type on him, but um, that was the plan next. But unfortunately, he had a little mess up um, with a, with his leg, and so we decided there and then, right, that's it. We will retire him. We're going to stud. He made the decision for us, which we've been umming and ahhing over for some time. So um, that that's um, that's where we are. He's um, he's gone to uh, Grace uh, Grace Skelton Elm Park Stud. And we're very pleased that um, she's having him there, and, and I'm sure they'll make a huge success of him. So something I hadn't really realised, Kathleen, when it when it comes to, to Midnight Legend, I, I, I sort of half assumed that, you know, he was a, a bit of a success story from the word go, but that wasn't the case. You you initially picked him up and, and, and were just going to send your own mares to him, that's right, and then oh. he, he sort of gained a bit of a cult following from there. Yeah, no, no way, John, was he a success. No, uh, well, both Midnight Legend and Passing Glance were literally both on the scrappy when we bought them. Um, you have to believe in a stallion. Um, you've got to believe in your own judgment, um, and that's what we did. And we had the option that, first of all, Midnight was going to go onto our mares. Um, we had a, had a stallion before him, Bonnie Scott, who broke a leg, uh, and we'd covered a few outside mares with him. Uh, and, and we thought we will have a bit of a following from that. Uh, we'll cover a few outside mares, but mainly our own mares. Because you see, we've had stallions going back a long time to about 1975. So it, it's a sort of a, it's in the blood, you know. You get It's like a disease. It gets hold of you, and you, you've got to have a stallion. So from 75 onwards, stallions are different sorts, of course, not always national hunt stallions. Um, we, we, we've always had a stallion cover our own mares. So um, that's basically what we did with Midnight. And in the beginning, he covered ours, and he covered a few few mares who were of not of any, um, you know, huge quality, uh, covered whatever he did and, and, and got the winners from them. Um, he had been sold, as, you know, we were told later that, you know, he, he hadn't covered any, any decent mares and, you know, he, he, no way could he be a success. Um, but, you know, the horse, um, the horse did it himself. So, w- with regards to, to Midnight's legacy, was, was yeah. it a, a case of... You knew at that point that was it. He was going to be the the last offspring from Midnight Legend, and of course, you sadly um, lo- lost the mare. What what an hour after birth? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's it, it it all sort of came together that that he was the last offspring of, of both of them. Um, the mare um, we we'd covered a a couple of times before with Midnight, and and she'd also had some passing glances uh, who'd done well, but. Um, uh, we just had a feeling that he was, you know, he was getting on a bit and it might, you know, you never know, it might be his last year, we'll, we'll cover her with him. But we, we covered her, you know, when we went to Scanner, she had a problem, she hadn't ovulated, so we cross-covered and then scanned her again and then our stud vet said, look, leave it, don't cover her again, don't waste the horse, this isn't going to work, it's got a big spotty follicle, and we'd never ever got something in fall with that sort of 
um, condition. So, turned her out in the field. And I thought, well, we'd had a scanner at 16 days, brought her in, and sure enough, she was in full. It sort of had to be. And, um, and then later on, when we scanned her later on in the season, um, she was looking a little bit dodgy and and that was a little bit worried about a bit of an aneurysm there. So we knew there was a bit of a possibility it might all go wrong. In the meantime, we lost midnight in the July of 2016 and uh, given fold the following spring and within an hour, she had hemorrhaged and died. And so by um, eight o'clock in the evening, he was on a foster mat. Uh, he was on a gypsy mare, uh, and from then on, he never looked back. Mm. He just never looked back. Uh, you know, it, he, he's always he's always done whatever we've asked him to do, and he's always got that lovely attitude, and it's like he was really trying from the word go. Goodness, he must... It, it, it's so wonderful to hear in your voice just how much he means to you. You know, we I think we think about these horses when they retire from their racing career, um, and and perhaps we in the media we, we focus on the higher end and we think what nice lives they go and have, and they're well looked after and they're well loved. Yes, but you have this you have this full story from from birth to now this this second career, and it goes right back with the dam, and it goes right back with with Midnight Legend as well. So it, it's going to be a, a hugely emotional adventure for you oh absolutely yes i mean yeah um this i think uh it probably will be the last stallion we will have uh, I, we're not uh, at the moment looking for another one so uh you'll you'll carry on you'll, you'll succeed passing down since he's getting on a bit now and, and he won't always be around forever uh, but you know we're just hoping that midnight's legacy will you know Gone for the next twenty years, like he said. It did. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we are. So it, it is. It is a very emotional uh, subject to, to, uh, midnight, to talk about midnight, who uh, really set us up, mm. um, and and for him to continue, you know, the line. So so was uh, it, it, Catholic, was sorry. it? Sorry, was it the year after he he passed then that 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 Sizing John won the Gold Cup? So that must have been a huge moment. Yes, for it. it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the same season, the same spring that Midnight's Legacy was born, and the same season that Sizing John won the Gold Cup. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, just sad that Midnight wasn't still here, but mm. you know these things do happen, don't they? So how do you how do you approach this this early? stallion career for midnight's legacy then what 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 do you how popular do you envisage him being well it does seem to be generating quite a bit of interest and when i said to you we were thinking about should we send him to stud now or keep him racing another season i've had so many people for a few years you know asking us when's he going to go to stud and i'm going to send him a mare etc so you know we, we've been under a bit of pressure because there, there is quite a lot of um, a lot of interest in him. Um, you know, people. Well, I think they realise that he is the only entire with the Midnight Legend genes. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are plenty of Midnight Legend mares about, but there isn't an entire with the genes. So, you know, if he's got the same gift that his dad had for siring winners, you know, is is going to be a, a you know a good a good horse to go out and use. And how many mares have you got at home? Uh, well, 
<laughs> we've never had many mares. When we had the stud, we were so busy that we only had a handful of mares. And at the moment, we've got um, four mares at home, but none of those. That we've, there are two. There's a sister and a half sister to him, and two midnight legend mares. So <laughs> we're a little bit, um, you know, struggling to find mm. a mare here. So. We'll have to start and think, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, yeah, we are looking to support him with mares, but uh, we haven't bought anything as yet, but it is a possibility. Fine, the doors are, um, the doors are very much open for... for... They're very much open, but we've never, we've never had many mares. And so, we've, you know, we, we, we sort of try to concentrate on quality. And I know we've got this record from only five mares. Martin Stevens was quite amazed. And if we've ever had five mares in the last 20 years and the, b between them they've produced 28 winners so you know it, we try to you know seriously look at the mares and and get them right for the stallion uh, which which the bloodlines which we're using and and hopefully you know they'll, they'll continue to succeed <clears throat> Martin Stevens, you mentioned there who's done a series of, of excellent insightful articles on on RP bloodstock um listen I we wish you all the best with it. It's a fabulous story, and I just hope the the success continues because um, both David and yourself really deserve it. Kathleen, thanks ever so much. Thank you very much, Tom. Good to speak to you. Thank you, Jane. That um, story from from Kathleen Holmes about Midnight Legend and uh, his last male bloodline, Midnight's Legacy, is it, it really is a fabulous one. One thing I pointed out to, to, to Kathleen there in hearing the story is it, it's nice to hear the emotion behind uh, standing a stallion and, and, and what it means, particularly when you've, you've had that, that horse from, from foal to stallion career and all the triumph and disaster that's come with it, with, with, with losing the mare. Um, it, do, do you think this will be a success? I admire the ambition. There are too many jumping bloodlines lost because all of the sons are gelded and we end up losing the likes of the alleged line and more. Um, so can it work? Of course it can work. The same principle st stands for what I said about Stradivarius. It's all about opportunity. So he's going um, to the skeleton stud farm. So he's going to stand alongside Dink and Okavango. Um, he was a very useful flat horse. He won five times. He was rated 101. He didn't achieve black type, but if you consider his rating of 101 is more than capable of achieving black type he's um over jumps a three times winner uh, got a rating of 130 and i think midnight's legacy being by midnight legend a horse that everybody loves a stallion that everybody really appreciated uh he offers something very unique uh he's completely neutral bloodline and i saw him at epsom this year and he really showed how tough he was there so um I think in France they cover or they stand stallions by good sires that mightn't have been the best racehorses and they can shine. Uh, I think a good example of that is Bucks Boom, the sire of Album Photo. He's by Cajadel. Uh, Bucks Boom wasn't the best hurdler of all time, but he got an opportunity to, to stand at stud and he produced an Arkle winner um, and a dual gold cup winner. So who's to say that Midnight's Legacy? if given the opportunity, can do the same. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? And uh, good luck to all involved. Willie Mullins, Jane.
take take it away the stable tour is where do you start with a stable yeah. tour uh, there we're very much a uh, transition period I, th- I think it's nearly over because for the european season now we've had our group ones um we, you know we're, we're basically into jumping mode here in ireland and england when you see the october cheltenham meeting and when you see 14 races run at cheltenham and seven of them won by irish uh trained horses we're very much picking up where we left off one of those was dad's lad he was trained by uh, William Mullins and ridden by Brian Hayes and Dad's Lad doesn't really even feature amongst uh, the plethora of horses in the Sporting Life Stable Tour for William right. because rubbing it just rubbing it in because right. when you go down through the list of horses they're pretty exceptional now at the start of every jumping season you're going to have a couple fall by the wayside and it seems we've had our first couple Redemption Day, a very useful bumper horse from last year, out for the season. Monkfish, the horse that missed all of last season, looks like he's going to miss much of this season. Um, definitely, word of caution, if anybody's an anti-post bet on him for the spring, he looks like he mightn't be back until the back end of the season, best case scenario. Of those that are obviously leading the way, just look, listen to this for a novice chase contingent. Flame Bearer has moved to Clisutton from Pat Doyle's. Appreciated started his life at Pat Doyle. He's going chasing, having been, you know, a lot of people were making excuse, uh, making a case for him to beat Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle. Wasn't that a little bit crazy? He's going chasing along with Dysart Dynamo, El Fabiolo, Kilcroft, Manila Cocooner, possibly Madman's Game, and the nice guy. They're just some of the possible novice chasers this year. It looks like Brandy Love is going to stay over hurdles and go for the mares. Shaq and Persuas is going to go up and trip because he's not going to beat his stable mates Energimine and Fernie Hollow who are being targeted at the champion chase. Fasal Vega could do anything. Gaelic Warrior and Ile Teton still come into this season as maidens. They're going to be some novices for the season ahead. Galloping Deschamps still on course for the Gold Cup. That is the dream champion hurdle. Possibly Sir Gerhard, Sharjah, Stateman and Vauban. They're all going to give uh, Constitution Hill and Honeysuckle something to think about. Possible King George route for Alaho and maybe Capadano as well. Just some names I'm just going to throw at you. They're quite, they're quite the quality. You know, I've just, I've had a flashback. Last year, Jane, you and I, we covered the Willie Mullins stable tour on the Nick Luck Daily podcast. And we put up, I think we put up a horse to follow each. Can you remember? Can you remember? No, oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we took each other on with um, Anergamen and and Shaq and Porsoir, and you were right and I was wrong. I'm pretty well, sure. That's it. Uh, go on. Can, uh, I'm going to give you one then for the Willie Mullins Stable Tour. I'm going to give you a, a a horse in Open Company, um, El Fabiolo. Um, oh no, he's not in Open Company. He's novice, you, yeah. yeah, that was that's good. I'm going to give you two horses: El Fabiolo, Arkle. And this Gaelic warrior surely, surely beats him up over hurdles this year in, in novice company. So those, those would be my two who hope, hopefully aren't team obvious. Who, who do yeah, you like? You would think so. I'm going to go later, Tom, uh, in, the, in the novice hurdle division. Um, you know, nearly grade one winner last year. Ma- amazing, still a maiden. And uh, Vauban has been my horse over uh, in the two-mile two hurdle division because everybody's talking about Constitution Hill and, and Honeysuckle. And uh, while I want Honeysuckle to finish her career unbeaten, 
I don't want to be predictable and boring either. So Vauban, it's unusual for a four-year-old to go into open company and be effective in their five-year-old year, but Espoir Dallin managed to do it, so it's not impossible. Jane, predictable and boring are words that have never been used with your name in the same sentence. Fear not. Um, can you send us away with a predictable and boring winner, please? Possibly, possibly. I'm going to go Royal Defender in the 450 at Chepstow. The bumper at Chepstow, David Pipe has a terrific record in bumpers. He had a very exciting winner yesterday in the shape of sizing Potsy. And uh, I think this guy won his point to point by 10, by 10 lengths. So Royal Defender to take away the bumper at Chepstow for David Pipe. Lovely stuff, Jane. Thank you very much indeed. That is it for today. And I will be back with you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.